we're picking up this series we've been doing on spiritual warfare. Uh, it's called A Systematic Teaching on Spiritual Warfare and Deliverance. And the Lord told me prophetically there's four sections, 101, 201, 301, 401. There's three sermons or teachings in each section. And so, um, yeah, so we are on uh, the sixth sermon, so 203. Um, the first section of this was talking about why is there war- warfare in the first place? A warfare worldview. Who is the devil? You know, why does he hate us? Um, what is what is his tactics and strategies against us? That's what we talked about in the first section, the 101, 102, 103, uh, 201, 202, We're talking about types of warfare. And we talked about how it's important to triage what type of spiritual warfare you're encountering because uh, you respond in different ways uh, to different types of warfare. There's different weapons you can use, different types of prayers to engage in. Um, And uh, Mark 9, verse 29, Jesus said, These kind only come out by prayer and fasting. So in Mark chapter 6, the disciples had been successful in driving out demons, but all of a sudden in Mark 9, they encounter one they can't drive out. Jesus, they said, why not? Jesus says in another uh, account, and uh, another one of the Gospels that has the same story, he said, it's because of your faith. So you didn't have enough faith, and also they only come out by prayer and fasting. This, this kind, this type. And so that means we need to learn some things here about spiritual warfare. There's different levels of devils. There's different strengths that you can encounter, so to speak. Um, most likely, they were just commanding in the name of Jesus before, like you know, driving out demons through a command, and that was working. But now they encounter one that's not coming out that way. Jesus said you need to pray, right, for this kind. You know what I'm saying? And so um, there's different strategies. And so we've talked about in this section of this teaching um, three main types of spiritual warfare you could encounter, okay, or three levels, so to speak. Uh, Oppression, which we talked about several weeks ago. We talked about how anyone can be oppressed by the devil at any time for any reason. You don't have to sin. Even Jesus was oppressed. Read Matthew 4, Luke 4, you know, what I would call a traumatic oppression experience, Um, Maybe it wasn't traumatic for Jesus uh, if the devil showed up to you and whisked you away to places and was verbally, you could see him and he was verbally, audibly speaking to you. That would be pretty, anybody would enjoy that? No, I don't think so. So this was an oppression that Jesus, and Jesus is perfect. He never messed up. And so with oppression, if it's just oppression, you don't need to repent because the devil will try to get you to think that, oh, you've messed up somehow and you're, you're combing through your life and you can't find any sin and you're like, why is this happening? It's like, you just need to stand in your authority and tell the devil where to go, which is, you know, Matthew 4.10, away from me, Satan, Jesus said, for it is written, you know, use that sword of the spirit, but command him to leave. Um, so that's oppression. We talked about that. Um, second level of spiritual warfare is strongholds. Strongholds are lies you're believing, usually because of trauma, abuse, some really negative experience you've had in life that's caused you to believe a lie about God or about how the world works or about yourself. And because you're believing this thing, it's, it's actually allowing the devil to have a place in your life. Um, and so you've got a demonic issue in your life, a demonic oppression, and there's really negative symptoms, which could be mental, emotional, relational, or physical health even. Um, but it's because you've got this stronghold and praise the Lord Jesus. He has compassion and loves us and he wants to help us break strongholds and break free of those things. And so there's different strategies of praying through strongholds. If you have a sin in your life, that's 
you know, or a stronghold that's allowing a sin in your life or causing a sin, you need to repent of the sin, right? You need to break the stronghold. You need to uh, pray the truth and, and believe the truth and, and renounce the devil again and, and tell him where to go. And then finally, tonight, really what I want to talk about tonight is this third level, which is what I would call the most extreme level of spiritual warfare, which is demonic possession. Okay, so isn't that a fun topic that we're going to talk about tonight? Demonic possession. Um, I'm actually excited to, to talk about this um, and to teach into this because I think it's really going to help help people and help our church be more equipped to help people who have a lot more severe issues. And people who have this level of severity of issue, there's very few places they can turn, even very few churches that know how to deal with this. Um, And so uh, the Lord is equipping us to be ready and to be equipped and prepared to help people with the most severe uh, form of of spiritual warfare in their lives. And so uh, demonic possession is when a demon is, it's a word in English that that we use, to describe when a demon is inhabiting someone, living in someone, and fully controlling them uh, and influencing them in their lives, all right? Uh, That's what possession is. It means to influence or to control. Um, Catholic exorcist, it's been awesome journey for me. Uh, I've been studying and practicing deliverance ministry for about seven years now, and I've, I've studied many different models of deliverance and inner healing. I've been blessed by all of them and learned from all of them. The most recent one I've been studying is the Catholic exorcists. And man, this has just blessed my socks off. Literally, I don't have socks on tonight. But um, not because of this, so not literally. But anyways, man, I have just been studying the Catholic exorcist. The, the word exorcist literally means to, to expel or to drive out a demon is basically what it means, uh, usually by an authoritative command. That's all it means. And so it's a, literally a synonymous word. We like to say deliverance ministry, and our pro, our, us Protestants like to say that. They say exorcism. Um, and there's, there's, what I've been so blessed by is there's so many similarities uh, between the, the Catholic exorcists and how they do exorcisms and how we do deliverance ministry. Um, and so they actually have major exorcism and they have minor exorcism. Minor exorcism is what we would call deliverance prayers. You know, like in the name of Jesus, I, I rebuke and I renounce and you know that. Very, very, very similar. Major exorcism is for someone who's de- fully demonically possessed. And they have a, a, a very strict uh, kind of uh, ritualistic or uh, routine, I should say, that they go through, um, which is wise when you're dealing with, with uh, something of, of that degree, to make sure that everyone's safe um, and also to, um, yeah, really to just make sure they, they do it safe and they honor the Lord and uh, they minister to the person well. And um, as I've been studying this, um, Catholic exorcists are very effective at what they do. Um, they are very effective at getting the devil to leave people. Um, and so I highly, highly respect them. Um, in fact, I had a chance to interview one of the uh, more authoritative uh, Catholic exorcists that's living here in the United States. His name is Vincent Lampert, and I think we have a picture of him. Can you throw that up? It's probably not in order. This is Vincent. 
And I saw a YouTube video of him um, as I was studying into this, and I heard that he lived in, I think it's called Brookville, Indiana, which is only maybe an hour from here. And I was like, whoa. And so I emailed him and said, could I interview? And he said yes. And so a few uh, weeks ago, I guess it's been probably a month now ago, uh, me and a friend uh, drove to meet him, and he was super gracious and nice, and we interviewed him, and it was such a blessing. Um, Father Vincent taught me, temptation is the ordinary work of the devil. Possession is the extraordinary work of the devil. And this is uh, how Catholics would describe it. I think it's a good description. Temptation is the ordinary work of the devil. Possession is the extraordinary work of the devil. Uh, The Catholic explanation of types of warfare, I actually love this, the way they break this out. They, they say there's four types of warfare. There's oppression. And as he described oppression, it was the week after I taught on oppression. And in like uh, one paragraph, I was like, and there was my sermon. Like almost verbatim, some of the statements coming out of his mouth. And I was like, wow, this is so encouraging and so awesome. Um, but uh, there's oppression and they, you know, they believe temptation is a form of oppression. Infestation which is where a demonic presence is infesting an object or a place or a territory. So this is where the occult can curse objects. And there's literally a demon living in that occult object. And that's why it's important to cleanse your house of things that are not of God, right? And we'll get into that maybe a little more later. Um, but that's where you get haunted houses or, or so on and so forth. Infestation. Uh, the third level, and, and, and these are somewhat going in severity, is obsession. So you go from oppression to obsession, which is a mental oppression, but the demonic forces are trying to get you to obsess about them or about evil or about, you know, suicidal thoughts or anxiety, depression, whatever it is. That's what they call that, obsession, which is really interesting. And then the fourth level is possession, which is where uh, they, they've kind of taken over. They have kind of full reign or full, full control over a person. So possession can happen. This level of what I would call demonization can happen when people give the devil footholds or strongholds through sin, divination, trauma, abuse, so on, that go, I would say, that go unhealed and unchecked by the truth of the gospel or the Holy Spirit. And that's how you can get to this level. Um, this is a really important topic to talk about. And I was super blessed by, by Father Vincent when he explained the state of the Catholic Church exorcists. He was uh, trained in 2006 in Rome. He sat in three months, he sat through 40 major exorcisms. We're talking people levitating off of chairs and tables. They're so possessed by the devil. We're talking people throwing up, but they're not just throwing up vomit. They're throwing up animals and objects. Okay, that's all I'm going to really say about it because uh, I don't want to give the devil too much uh, uh, no, you know, glory maybe. I don't know. Um, but that 40 of those in three months. And then he came back. And he was installed as an exorcist here. At the time, in 2006, he was one of only 12 Catholic exorcists in the United States. Today, do you know how many Catholic exorcists there are in the United States alone? 125. Do you know why there's so many more? Because of the need. 
Father Vincent said when he first started, he would get about three or four calls a week from people all over the world who felt like maybe they were possessed or family member and they needed help. He said today he gets between 35 and 40 calls a week. And I heard on another interview with him, they asked him, is that because like you've got all these videos out there and now you're becoming well-known and so people just know you more? Or is it just the need has risen? And he goes, oh, without a doubt, it's the need has risen that much. Why is that? Why is that? Father Vincent said he believed it's because less and less people are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ which is, by the way, the only faith and the only religion that will stop the devil in his tracks. So less and less people are believing in the Lord, and there's a greater and greater pervasive uh, sinfulness happening in the world. I think it's interesting that the Catholic Church in their records noticed a severe uptick in the need of deliverance ministry or exorcism um, in starting in the late 90s. Now, how many of you know what came out or what big invention happened in the mid 90s the internet how many of you know what over 80 percent of the internet is pornography and lots of other bad junk there's also a significant rise in people dabbling in the occult people fully going into the occult i don't know if you've noticed in our culture lately but um Major companies, Converse, I saw an ad maybe a year ago uh, with a new shoe out that's got a pentagram on it, and the person promoting it was like full-on devil worshiper, right? I don't know if you noticed Sam Smith at the Grammys or whatever award show it was, full-on, I'm the devil, worship me, there's devils on stage. Um, there was a famous rapper uh, last year or whatever, Astro World or Astro Man or something like that. What is it? Travis Starr, I don't know. Anyways, he's like, Travis Scott, sorry. Um, he's like doing full-on demonic shows, divination as part of his show, and bringing the thousands and thousands of people into a seance is, is basically what it is. And so the devil's coming more and more out in the open. Do we think it's any coincidence that the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is emphasizing the need of deliverance ministry in a much, much greater way? Throughout, I don't know if you've noticed, there's movies coming out about deliverance ministry. The Come Out in Jesus' Name movie with Greg Locke here recently. Nefarious has come out now recently. Um, there's been all these different, uh, there's another one that I'm, I'm blanking on right now um, uh, where the devil, this guy's inter interacting with the devil and it's not nefarious, it's another one. Uh, recently just came out. The Lord is highlighting deliverance ministry. Uh, more and more, praise the Lord Jesus, more and more churches are realizing the need for it and being trained in it and learning how to do it. And of course, we're one of them. Um, but man, so many more need to, to step into it and learn because we're going to need it in the coming days. Um, and so the need is, is, uh, is growing and we need to be equipped. And we need to be equipped to not only help someone who has a stronghold or who's dealing with some oppression. We need to be equipped to be able to help somebody with any issue, even and especially the worst case scenarios, right, uh, of possession. And so I want to read a few scriptures, and I want to talk about 
what possession is and how we can help people uh, with that. So I want to read Mark 1, starting in uh, verse 23, and we're going to read some verses here. It says this, just then, uh, oh, you know what? I'm going to back up a little bit. Let me find this in my Bible. I just want to point out, okay, we're going to start in verse 21, Mark chapter 1. We're t- most scholars believe Mark was the first gospel account written of Jesus' life. Okay? So the first gospel account written, 21 verses in, and Jesus is getting into deliverance and casting out demons. A third of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons, right? Healing people was another third, and preaching gospel was the other third, right? And so Jesus... Uh, Mark starts with uh, John the Baptist coming on the scene, preparing the way. Then Jesus uh, gets baptized, goes into the wilderness. Then there's a few verses where he starts preaching. Then he goes and calls his disciples. And once he gets his team, guess what happens? Verse 21, he's driving out demons. And it was, he was driving out demons in what we would call church. It was a synagogue. Okay. Their version of church. Listen to what it says. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. (laughs) I feel the Lord on this. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the only one of God. Why does this guy with a demon, it's really, how many of you know it's really not the guy, it's the demon crying out. And if you do deliverance ministry and you sit with some people who have some demons, you know there's a difference. Demons are real personal entities and when they manifest, it's not the person. They're using the person's voice, but it is not the person. Why does this guy cry? Why does the demon reveal himself in church in front of Jesus? Why didn't he try to hide? It was the anointing and power of Jesus he couldn't hide. And when he encountered authoritative teaching from the word of God, he's like, oh, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's like torture to demons to hear the truth of God's word and to hear prayer and to hear praying in tongues and to, be, to hear about the cross and to hear about the blood of Jesus and the communion that we take. It's like torture to them. We see, we've seen people when we do uh, impartation services, we pray over people for the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden, ah, they manifest, uh, the demon manifests, right? Why? Because you're invoking the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down on the person and the demon cannot take the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's like, get me out of here, right? And, and, uh, and so that's what's happening in this moment. This man cries out and says, I know who you are, Jesus. What do you want with us? Have you come to destroy us? Jesus says, be quiet, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Isn't it funny? They're in church. And Jesus isn't too concerned about embarrassing this man. Why? Because Jesus wants the man free. And once the man's free, I don't think he's going to care too much that he screamed a little bit in church. Isn't it funny that Jesus isn't like, you know what? Hey, you know, I could deliver you right now, but I don't, I don't you know, these other people won't understand what's happening. And so uh, the new, it'll scare the new people away. And so we just want them to keep coming to church. And so, hey, if we could meet after. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is just like, boom, come out of him, boom. 
demon shrieks, shooks, shakes him violently, shrieks, but it comes out. It's awesome. The people were all so amazed, and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Jesus is becoming famous for casting out demons. A few verses down in verse 32, it says, that evening, we're still in just chapter one of Mark's gospel. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Okay. So demon, there's, Many, many instances in the Gospels of Jesus casting out demons. Um, when you, how many of you know the, the four Gospels, they repeat the same story sometimes, right? And so when you look at what stories are being repeated and all that, there's actually only about 12 instances of Jesus driving out demons, but s- some of them are individuals, and some of them are these catch-all verses that are like, oh, by the way, whole crowds came to him and he just drove out a whole bunch of demons kind of all at once. I mean, can you imagine like a mass deliverance service? People bring, he's just casting out demons, casting out demons the whole night um, and healing people. And by the way, well, man, I don't have time to, sorry, thoughts come in. You know, people can experience physical healing through deliverance. Because demons are sometimes causing the physical health issue. And so that's why it's, there's a connection here. The testimony was he drove out a demon. So anybody that knows that somebody had a demon, they're bringing them to Jesus, right? And so he's driving them out, and it says he healed a bunch of people and drove out demons. And some of those were probably just sick people that he healed. And then some of them perhaps had physical health issues that were healed because Jesus drove demons out of them. Um, And so we'll get into that more later. So... Again, the point is deliverance and driving out demons is a massive part of Jesus's ministry. I want to note in the King James Version of verse 23, the, the verse where it says uh, there was a man in the synagogue that I just read in the NIV who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. So the NIV says this man was possessed by an impure spirit. The, the King James Version in the New King James Version says, there was a man, now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. Now why is that? Why does the New NIV say this man was possessed? The New King James says this guy, there was a guy with a demon. Just said he had a demon. It's because in all the instances in scripture that talk about driving out demons, people possessed by demons, you're going to read different translations. Some of them say they had a demon. Say it that simply. This man with a demon. Uh, The man of the Gadarenes, the most severe case of demonic possession in scripture. It just says there was a man with a demon. That's all it says. And then they found out there's thousands of demons apparently in that guy. Um, It's because the same different translations in English are trying to convey different things. But in actuality, in the Greek, in every single one of the instances in scripture, it's the same Greek word that is being used. And I want to talk about this. Um, It's the Greek word. I want to pronounce this right. Daimod needs a my. Daimod needs a my. 
It means this, to be under the power of a demon, to have a demon, to be exercised, which means influenced or controlled by a demon. Now, here's what I want to point out about this definition, to be influenced or controlled. How many of you know those two words, they're similar, but they're different, and there's a different degree of severity. If I'm just influencing you, then I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm manipulating you a little bit, but I'm not fully controlling you, right? Influence is like I'm sitting in the passenger seat of the car, and I'm like, hey, you better do this. Hey, better, you know, you know, better watch out. Oh, my goodness, somebody's hitting the brake. You know, like that's going to influence you, you know? Every, don't look at me like this. Every husband in this room knows when you're driving and your wife is sitting there and there's a car 500 yards that in front of you that hits their brakes and she loses her ever-loving mind and you're like, what, right? But it, you, she freaks out, you're freaking out, you're like, what? You thought there's a deer coming, you thought something's happening. Oh, you mean that car a half mile away? But what happened? It influenced you, didn't it? Now, controlling is like she reaches over and grabs the wheel. You're going to hit that guy. And she jerks the car and the car jerks. And you're like, what's happening? Influence or control. The Greek word, die mod needs am I. So let's ask the question that everybody wants to ask. Can a Christian person be possessed? Can a Christian person be possessed by the devil? I want to answer that question, but to answer that question, which by the way, I, I want to know the answer to that question, or I did, you know, several years ago or whatever, um, when I'm learning all this stuff. I think a much better question is, how can Christian people help the possessed? That's a whole, we're going to get into that, but I get that we're people, and first we want to get our own self settled and not have fear in ourselves before we try to help others. So we want to answer that question. Can a person, a Christian person, be possessed? Before I can answer that question, I have to redefine what your understanding of possession is. Because, again, this is the main point that I want to make tonight. The Bible uses one word, daimod needs a mind. Daimod needs a mind when you study all the examples of possession where it says they had a demon, they were possessed or whatever. When they uses that word, there is a scale of severity. In English, we go, they were possessed by a demon. When we use the word possession in English, we're talking about the fullest case of the most severe uh, demonic possession. We're, we're, we think of the movie, The Exorcist. Their, 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 their head's spinning around, their eyes are glowing green, they're, they're projectile vomiting, they're levitating off the bed, right? That's what we think of when we think of they're possessed. The problem a lot of Christians make and a lot of churches make and a lot of teachers make is we think to have a demon, we equate it with the fullest extent form of possession. And... You can have a demon, but not be fully controlled by that demon. You can have a demon in your life that's influencing you, but you're not fully possessed. 
if that makes sense. But here's my point. My main point. (laughs) The Bible only uses one word, but even within that word, there's a degree of severity. Okay? So I want to show you this in scripture. We're going to talk about it. So Mark chapter 5, the man from the Gadarenes. And I'm going to walk through several cases of demon possession in scripture. And so I'm not going to read the full passage. So you're going to have to look these up if you want to dive deeper later on your own. I can tell so many of you just really want to dive deeper into this topic uh, later on. (laughs) Oh, man, I just thought of like a zinger and I'm not going to say it. Uh, Okay. Mark chapter, yeah, I feel like the Lord's proud of me for not for not giving you the zinger. Wow. Thank you, Lord. He's like, well done, Aaron. All right. Mark chapter five, the man from the Gadarenes, or this is like across the sea of Galilee. Mm. We're going to come back to this at the end because this, it's a beautiful story. Man, it's so good. But this man, actually there were two men because another account says there were two men. Um, And so Mark's account says there was one man. Uh, Some people say, oh, that's a conflict. Oh, scripture, can't trust it. Oh, let me ask you a question. Where there are two men, is there one man? Yes. So one eyewitness was like, there was a guy and he was fully possessed, blah, blah, blah. And most likely what happened is there's two guys and one was more severely. So one witness just focused more on the guy that was totally nuts and out of his mind. And another was like, well, there's actually two guys and they were both possessed and Jesus You see what I'm saying? So uh, anyways, I don't have time to go into that. It actually lends more credibility to the gospel because experts in the law say that when two eyewitness accounts totally agree in every single detail, it usually means they got together and conspired and put the story together. But when uh, there are slight differences and the differences, uh, there's not, it doesn't make them not true. It's just highlighting different aspects. And that's what you find in the Gospels. So that's, that's just for free tonight. That's just for free tonight. That little tidbit right there. So Mark, Mark 5's version, um, there's this man. He's fully demonically possessed. And I mean, when we think of possession, this is what we think of. Listen to this description. It says he was out of his mind. He was mentally, you know, insane. Cuts himself with stones. So he's cutting harming self-harm it says he would cry out among the tombs so he just walked can you imagine it says he was well let me finish he was naked he tore his clothes off uh superhuman strength they would try to bind him with chains he'd break chains with his own hands and he lived among the tombs in the graveyard right now listen those of you who don't have much discernment or you maybe you don't have the gift of discerning of spirits if you saw a guy living in a graveyard that was naked out of his mind ah! cutting himself you try to buy him a chain he breaks it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out this dude's got some demons all right this guy's possessed all right this is what we think of when we think of oh he's possessed that's fully possessed you know what word the bible in fact the english translations almost all of them in this case you know it says oh there's a man with a demon he had demons he had demons uh, Jesus said, what's your name? He said, my name's Legion, for we are many. A Roman legion at that time is between 5,600 and 6,000 men. And that's probably about how many demons there were. He says, they say, send us into the pigs, and they beg Jesus not to send them out of the area. That's very interesting. Don't have time to go into it tonight. But Jesus, I can't for the life of me. This is one of the questions I'm going to ask him when I get there. Why did you give permission to demon? They're like, have you come to send us to the abyss before it's time? I'd have been like, yes, I did. Go to the abyss right now. Get in there. 
Why did he not? He's just like, all right, go into the pigs. All right. 2,000 pigs, though. I mean, if you're a pig farmer at this day and age, there goes your whole livelihood, right? 2,000 pigs run down a steam bank, drown themselves in the water. So, by the way, demons can inhabit people, objects, places, or animals, is what we're learning from this story. So, that animal that you thought was kind of, uh-huh, okay, okay, all right. Anyways, <laughs> pray over your animals, y'all. Pray over your animals. Cast the demons out of your animals. Hey, man, I'm not above it. I am not above it. All right. Goodness, Lord, help us tonight. Uh, so, this guy is what we would think of as fully, fully possessed, obviously. But again, here's the point. The word just means he had a demon. He was influenced or controlled. This guy was fully controlled, right? Fully controlled. So Mark, let's jump to Mark chapter 9. There's a little boy. This is the one that the disciples couldn't drive it out. So they've been driving them out. They can't drive this one out. Little boy. It says he had a mute spirit, a dumb spirit, which means he can't, this little boy can't talk, but it's not a natural, there are natural diseases or, or brain malfunctions that cause people to not be able to talk. It's not that. He's got a demon that is a mute demon that's keeping him from being able to talk. And it says he has seizures. He falls out and shakes and, and bad things happen, right? When he's having those. Now, here's, here's what I want to point out in this case. Same Greek word here. There was a boy that had a demon. He was demon-possessed. Daimodnizomai, same word. It just means he had a demon. What are his symptoms? Is he cutting himself with stones? Is he ripping his clothes off? Does he have supernatural strength? Nope. He can't talk, and he has seizures sometimes. That's interesting. And we know from all the other cases in Scripture, they would write down all the symptoms they had. So if he, this little boy was mentally insane, they would have written that down. They didn't. These are the only symptoms he has from being controlled or influenced by the demon that he has in his life. Mark, Matthew chapter 12. It says, they brought Jesus a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute. So the man is blind and he's mute because he has a demon. That's it. No other symptoms. Out of his mind, no. Cutting himself, nope. Supernatural strength, nope. Levitating off the floor, nope. He's just blind and he can't talk because he has a demon. Luke chapter 13, a woman is bent over. That's it. That's the only symptom. She's bent over. You ever see an older person like this? You know, and we think it's scoliosis, right? Now, most like could a demon cause scoliosis? yes. Is every case of scoliosis a demon? No. <laughs> this case it was. Why? Because Jesus healed her on the Sabbath. They were upset. And he's like, hold up. Should this daughter of Abraham, she's a believer, by the way. Hmm. Should this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, not be set free from what bound her? Satan was keeping her bound. It wasn't just, I've got a natural health issue that causes me to be like this and I can't straighten up. This is a demon is in my life and I can't straighten up until Jesus sets me free from the power of the devil. Now I can straighten up. And then I'll throw in, I didn't have this in my notes, but I just thought of it as I was talking, Acts chapter 16. Now there was a little girl who had a demon by which she predicted the future. Only thing mentioned. Girl out of her mind? Nope. I know new age people who have spirit guides. They got demons. 
And these demons, spirit guides, tell them what to do and give them advice and all that. They, they talk to them. They commune with them. They can hear them. They, you know, all that stuff. They think they're good. That's it. Only symptoms we know of now, they might be depressed. They might have all these other problems that they don't realize are related to that. But they're not out of their minds. They're not cutting themselves with stones. They're, but they got a demon. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's a degree, a level of severity. And usually the level of severity is connected to how you got the demon, how much you're giving into the influence that it's having in your life, how much you're partnering with that, and how much of the Lord you have in your life. And so in our English understanding of possession, possession is describing man at the Gadarenes. You got a few thousand demons or whatever. You got multiple demons, and this thing is ruling your life. Now, so let's go back to the question. Can a Christian be possessed? If we're describing that state or that level, I will share the answer of uh, Father Vincent. No, I don't believe so. Why? Now, I will say he delineated it this way. If you're a true Christian who has some sort of relationship with Jesus and you're staying out of sin, you're protected. The Lord protects you. And we need to know that as Christians, especially as we're walking through this series uh, and learning about these things. And we're learning about, I remember what it was like when I first started learning about demonic possession, or maybe when I just heard about it and I didn't know what I know now. And, and I'm afraid because I wasn't equipped and I was insecure in my faith. And I wasn't sure I could help someone like that. And it's just scary. You need to know if you are trying your, your best to li- walk with the Lord, you're not living in sin, and, and you, you, you have a relationship with, you've been born again, you're saved, right? But if you're, if you're maintaining that relationship and doing your best to stay out of sin, you're not going to end up like the man of the Gatherings, all right? And what I want to say is to comfort you, and don't worry, I'm about to go the other way here in a minute, but to comfort you, <laughs> to comfort you, you can't just be walk, listen, I know Walmart's bad, guys. But you can't just get all possessed and end up like man at the gatherings by walking through Walmart. All right. So what was that meme that's out there? It's like, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to church or something? It's like, man, I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Y'all like <laughs> that is true. But but we don't need You know, I hear people say this. And the Lord says, don't say that. All right. That's all I want to say about that. So the point is you can't a demon can't just run and jump in you. Okay, that's good news for us believers. There's got to be an open door. There's got to be an open door. We talked about this in the first few weeks of this series. There are the Lord God has set up the world with legal rights. And the devil has to get, I don't, I I don't have time to review the whole daggone thing. So go back and watch those sermons, but I'll just summarize it as this. The Lord, the Lord, the Psalm 115, I believe says the the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he's given to mankind. The earth is the realm of man. Mankind has authority on the earth. And you can even reason as many great theologians have said, God doesn't do anything except by prayer. Why? Because he's given the earth to mankind. It's yours. Now, if you ask me to get involved, I'll get involved but he's given you same with your life. We have trouble conceiving of that. Your own life is that way. God's given it to you. 
and God longs to help you with your life, but it's your life. If you invite him in, he's like, boom, he's like ready to break down your door and come on in and help you. But if you never invite him in, then you're on your own, which is not a good place to be. And you're headed toward an eternity without God. So he's given the earth to mankind. And the devil was cast from the heavens to the earth. He was a fallen angel. God didn't make evil. He didn't make an evil being. He made a good being and he was cast to the earth because he sinned. He wanted to be God. So now he's down there on the earth, the realm of man. He has to get us to agree with him to be able to affect our lives. And so you can't just pick up a demon walking through Walmart. Can we all just stop? Praise break. Stop and praise the Lord. Okay, good. Now, but here's the deal. Can Christians have a demon? So can a Christian be possessed? Let me say it that way. Full man of the gatherings, all this. No, not if you're a, what I would call, true Christian. Now, Father Vincent did specify. Now, there's a lot of nominal Christians out there. What do I mean by that? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church once or twice a year. I actually live in sin. I actually don't have a relationship with the Lord. I don't have a prayer life. Father Vincent wasn't too, wasn't too reassuring about those types of people. But if you're a true Christian, now here's what's cool. Here's what I love doing. Comparing the testimonies, the teachings of Christian people from different walks of Christianity, different tribes of Christianity. So that's what Father Vincent is saying, okay, about demonic possession and about how this works. Then you've got this guy who is probably a quasi, you know, um, Pentecostal guy at this point, but it's, uh, I don't know what tribe he comes from is what I'm, what I'm getting at. John Ramirez, who used to be a warlock in the church of Satan or the occult. Actually, the cult's different. The actual true cult, church of Satan is, it's bad. It's devil worship, but it's not like the, the, the super nefarious actual cult engaging powers of, of demons and whatnot. So, but he, John Ramirez was a warlock in New York city. He said he was the third highest third in command in New York city, which was a major hub of demonic activity. He said, he said he personally spoke to the devil. I believe him have no reason not to. Anyways, he, he tells a lot of stories about that. So at, he was dedicated as a child. His mother was into witchcraft, dedicated him to Satan as a child. He got into it early, yada, yada, yada. Eventually, I don't know the whole story. His, you can Google him on YouTube and read his, uh, hear about his testimony. But eventually, uh, they turn on him. He wants to get out. Um, he had an experience where he went to hell. Jesus saved him. Total grace of God thing. So now he's a believer, okay? He's, now he's a pastor. Now he does deliverance ministry. I really enjoy his testimonies because he fully participated in the dark side very explicitly and would do spells, curses, and all this, and, and they worked. And one of the coolest, there's a 45-minute documentary about his testimony on YouTube. And I really enjoyed it because he's telling all these stories of like, here's, here's you want to talk about tactics and strategies of the enemy. Here's the insider info on how the enemy works and how the devil has his guys do stuff. It's very interesting. Um, It's fun to learn about that stuff, by the way, but don't go too far with it. Don't get obsessed. I'll just, you know, our main focus needs to be Jesus. I'll just throw that in there. Um, I got to take it in small doses when I'm hearing stories of testimonies about possession and all that. I'll just leave it at that. Um, we need to be thinking about whatever is true, excellent, noble, praiseworthy, and think of on such things. 
but we need to be equipped, and that's why we're focusing on it uh, in this series. So anyways, one of, one of the coolest parts of his testimony that I love, he said he would do curses on people all the time. People would hire him. This happens all the time in other countries, by the way. Go to the witch doctor. Hey, put a curse on my neighbor so he dies so that I can have his land or whatever, whatever the thing is. And they do it, and it works. He did this to people. He was hired. He, was, he would put curses on people. Demons would do bad. You know, you can't prosecute somebody if they didn't. I didn't do anything. Demons would do this stuff to people. And this is one of the parts of his testimony of love. He said, oh, I would curse Christians all the time, and it would work. But not true Christians who had a prayer life. <laughs> he said, if I knew they were a true Christian who really were devout, really believed, and they had a prayer life, he's like, people will come and pay me money to curse them. And he's like, I just be like, I'm not even going to waste my time because it will do nothing. It'll do nothing. It'll have no effect. So again, I want to encourage those of you who really know Jesus, you're protected. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you're like, I'm not sure I know Jesus, then you're probably getting what I would call the fear of the Lord right now. And that's a good thing. <laughs> so, where were we? Yes, so, can a Christian person be fully possessed, not if you're a true, Christ, not if you're a true believing Christian who's actively walking with the Lord? But can a Christian have a demon? Yes. Yes. I would say yes. Why? Because it's degrees of severity. Are you going to end up at like man at the gatherings? No. But can, let me ask you a question. And this is where I'm just going to be honest with you. From my personal experience, sitting with many people who are Christians, really truly believe they have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. And yet you sit in a prayer session with them and they got a demon. They've got a demonic issue. They're demonized is what we might say. What is it? You know, is it they're blind, they're mute? No, usually it's like they're severely depressed or they want to kill themselves or whatever the thing is. A few of those people that I've dealt with, you're thinking, well, do they really have a demon? Is it really in them? Is it on them? Is it blah, blah, blah? How's this work? Where's it at? Is it attached? Is it, you know, how's this working? Um, let, me, let me ask you this. Let me paint the picture this way. Let's say you have cancer. There, is, there are degrees of cancer. If you've got stage four pancreatic cancer, that's terminal, you're gonna die soon. Where is that? Is it in you? Is it on you? That's in you, right? Let's say you have a little spot of skin cancer on you. Is it in you or on you? Well, technically it's on the surface of your skin. And a lot of types of skin cancer, the doctor's like, that's cancer, that's bad, but hey, we'll just remove that and you're gonna be fine. So it's like level one. Here's my point. If you got cancer, is it bad? Do you care? Yes. Yes, pastor. Cancer is bad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if you have cancer, do you care if it's in you or on you or attached to you or... Do you care or do you just want it out? Do you just want it gone? We just want it gone. So we have a lot. Uh, here, here's something else I want to say. We have a lot of words in our modern English, especially deliverance ministries, to try to describe where the demon is 
and how it's on them or in them or influencing them. It's, it's on you. It's attached to you. It's, it's, it's got an attachment. It's, it's in you. It's, 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 well, it's, 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 it's not in you or on you. It's not an attachment. It's a stronghold. It's a lie. You're, it, it's not in you or on you. It's like hovering. It's just oppression. Depression. I don't care. I just want it gone. Right? I don't care if it's in me, on me, hovering, oppressing, attachment, whatever. I just want the thing gone. Get it off me, right? So, degrees of severity. Point in scripture, daimon needs a my, same word. Can a Christian have a demon? I'm just telling you from personal experience, yes. Yes. I've sat in many prayer sessions, born again believers, fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They have a demon. They have a demonic issue. Are they man at the gatherings? Are they fully possessed? Are they out of their mind, cutting themselves? No. Do they have a demon? Yes. And we can get rid of it, praise the Lord Jesus. And what I was going to say, finish my story from earlier. Some of those people, you're like, is it really a demon? I don't know. Well, let's pray. You go to pray, and they speak in a different voice. And it says, we're not leaving. And it's a sweet young lady. <laughs> Who's a Christian? Now, what some pastors might do in that situation is back the train up and go, oh, but is she really saved? Mm. That discussion is not helpful. Starting, if this person's been baptized and prayed to receive Christ and lived a Christian life and has some fruit in their life and all the things, trying, trying their best to follow Jesus, if you start there, all you're going to do is cause more confusion. All you're going to do is rob their confidence to stay free once they get free. And from a practitioner's standpoint, it's like, here's what we do. Are you, are you saved? Have you prayed to receive Christ? Yes, I have. Okay, then we're trusting you're saved. Let's move on. Then you pray with them. Okay, you break off whatever they're dealing with. You get to the root of the issue. You cast the thing out or off. Again, even that, English translation is, is messes with us, and here's why. And I forgot to mention, I was going to mention this earlier anyways. When it says cast out demons, what does that make us think? They're in them. They're in them. Fully possessing, man of the gatherings. There's 6,000 of them in there. Oh, my goodness. Head's going to start spinning any minute. The word is ekbalo. It means to expel, to evict, to drive out. It means to force to leave. And it usually, I love this part of the definition, with the notion of violence. <laughs> you know what Ekbalo is? Casting out demons. Don't think so much you're reaching inside of someone, it's in them, and you're pulling it out. You're just making it leave them alone. You're forcing it to leave. With the notion of violence. I thought of this, I think it's a good description. Ekbalo, casting out demons, driving out demons, exorcism ministry, deliverance ministry. These are all synonymous terms. You know what it's like? It's like the bouncer at the club or the bar and there's a rowdy guy that's causing problems and he says, leave now. You have to leave now. And the guy's like, I'm not leaving. And he picks them up, takes them out and throws them outside and forcefully makes him leave. That's, that's deliverance ministry. Only you're doing it all with the sword of your mouth because demons don't have bodies and you, I wish it was that easy. Just grab them, just throw them out. Like, it don't work that way. But man, they are rebellious spirits and once they get home, they don't want to leave because it's hard to get another one. 
So you got to forcefully make him leave in the authority and the name of Jesus while still very carefully, compassionately caring for the person that they are traumatizing. And that is the art of deliverance ministry. So can a Christian have a demon? Yes, I absolutely believe so. Just again, from personal experience. Um, Are you going to end up possessed if you're a Christian? Not if you're a true Christian. So hopefully that comforts you. And maybe that disturbs you a little bit. Are you saying I can have a demon? Let me ask you this. Because some churches believe this, that, that don't believe it, you know, a deliverance is for today and all that. Let me ask you this. They'll, they'll say this. Well, they quote a verse that says, light cannot dwell with darkness. Like, what does the Holy Spirit have? That verse, do you know what it's talking about? Don't commit sexual immorality. As a Christian, it's written to Christian people. Hey, Christian people, don't commit sexual immorality because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So they take that verse about sexual morality and go, oh, our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit and you can't have a demon in you because you got the Holy Spirit in you. Hold up a second. What's it warning you about? Committing sin, which would do what? Pollute the temple of the Holy Spirit, which would what? Bring sin into the place where the Holy Spirit is. So let me ask you this question. Can a Christian sin? Hmm. Let's say you're a Christian. You really believe in Jesus. You go through something traumatic. You hear about, you, you lose a loved one. You hear about this guy who says he's a medium. Maybe he's a Christian medium. He can talk to the dead. And you are young, naive, ignorant. You don't understand that that is demonic and divination. And we don't do medium stuff as Christians. We talk to Jesus. That's it. Holy Spirit. That's it. Father God. That's it. Right? We don't talk to dead people. All right? That the, the, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, do not consult mediums, spiritists, so on and so on and so on. That's the dark side of spiritual gifts. But let's say you don't realize all that. Let's say this is a real example of someone I know. (laughs) And you don't realize all that. You're young in the faith. And you lose a loved one that you just care deeply about. You hear about this person who can consult the dead. And you go to them. And you have them talk to your loved one for you. And they're telling you things that only you and your loved one knew. And you're like, oh. And they're like, oh, I'm so comforted because I went to this medium. And I heard, oh, my loved one's okay. And blah, blah, blah. But then after that visit, they start having a whole lot of problems in their life as a born-again Christian. Now, why is that? Because they made a choice to commit a sin, and that sin had to do with divination, which is kind of another level when it comes to having a demon in your life, which I'll talk about in a minute. And they they opened their door up and invited the demon in. And demons will take full advantage of that. Um, So, I'm going to read this. Jack Deere, um, former professor of Old Testament at Dallas Theological Seminary with degrees in biblical Hebrew and Greek, explains it this way in his book, Surprise, Why I'm Still Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit. Phenomenal book, by the way. And he says this. Unfortunately, the English translations of our Bible do not recognize that there are various levels of demonic influence over humans. They use demon-possessed to translate the verb in Greek that means demonized, that is, subject to the influence of a demon. That's all it means. You're subject to the influence of a demon. 
Like English, the Greek language has different ways to turn a noun into a verb. Linguists classify these verbs as denominatives, which is Latin for from a noun. In English, if we want to turn theology into a verb, we add I-Z-E to the end of the noun and we get theologized. Let's theologize for a minute. Let's think about how God is and how he works and what our faith is like. Let's theologize. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to say this. The word translated demon-possessed is a denominative and should have been translated demonized. The context of each passage specifies how much influence the demon or demons has over the person. So what he's saying is it just means demonized. That's the best um, translation of that word, daimonizomai. So... Can Christians be demonized? Yes. Do I think they can end up fully possessed? No. And I've already explained that and and why. So, there are varying levels or degrees of demonization. And that's important to delineate. The good news is, and, and especially for we who practice deliverance ministry and help people with these things... And for you all who God is equipping, and you're, this is boot camp, by the way, and you're being trained. <laughs> you know, when God does training, he often gives you an opportunity to put into practice what you've learned. And I don't say that to scare you because he's also super gracious and he knows what level you're at and what you can handle at the time. So God's not going to introduce you to the girl from the exorcist tomorrow, okay? So rest easy. But he might introduce you to a friend or loved one that you know has something that ain't right. And you suspect because of the sermons we've been having, it might be a demon in your life. And God wants you to be equipped to be able to pray with them. Or at the very least, be able to help inform them what's really going on and get them some help. So, there are varying levels and degrees. Um, I want to talk about signs and symptoms of demonization. Because here's the deal. Again, if you're a man from the Gadarenes, do we all know you're demon-possessed? Yes. <laughs> There's a lady in our church who's awesome, and the way she came to faith was she was a nurse. This was like 30, 40 years ago. She was a nurse in a hospital. She went to a psych ward one day, and they said, don't go in there. Something evil is in there. And there was a a woman strapped to the bed, and she said she went in. And I forget what all happened, but this this lady had demons and manifested. And uh, this lady in our church was not a believer at the time, and she said, I didn't believe in God. She said, but when I saw that, I was like, that is a devil. That is real. That is evil right there. And she said she went home and her wheels started turning. And that right there, she said, because I knew, I saw the devil is real. I thought, well, God has to be real then. So she was willing to go to church and she ended up getting saved. We call that the devil overplays his hand sometimes. And that's why he has to be careful. We've talked about this, about manifesting. So we talked about in that first section of this series, deception and intimidation are his two main tactics. Deception, there's a whole lot of ways he deceives, but when it comes to his presence in your life, demons want to get in you, on you, in your house, messing with your family, but they don't want you to know it's them. Why? So they can stay. They want you to think it's natural health issues. They want you to think your wife is just a horrible jerk, right? They want you to think that your kids are just off the rails. They want you to think it's a haunted house. It's the guy that, oh, somebody died in this house before us. Oh, it's the ghost. So you do nothing and the torment continues. 
That's the game. It's deception. Once you are on to them, now they turn to intimidation. They start manifesting to try to make you fearful so you don't, so you don't drive them out, Ekbalo, and f- you become the bouncer. All right? You didn't, this is bouncer training school right here. All right? Okay. Learning how to bounce some demons. <laughs> That's great. <sighs> so I want to talk about signs of demonization that you could have a demonic presence in your life. Again, is it attached to me? Is it a stronghold? Is it an enemy? Is it on me? I don't care. What I care about is, is there a demonic presence here afflicting or tormenting a child of God? Then let's get rid of it, okay? I don't, you know, anyways. So I want to walk through these because, and, and also, so the lesser forms of daimod needs am I, the lesser forms of, you know, you're not fully possessed, but it's, you're constantly influenced by a demonic presence. Let's get rid of that, right? And so some of the lesser forms, people don't realize. If it's not man at the gatherings in our culture, we think it's all naturalistic issues. I mean, that's how it is, isn't it? If it's not someone's head spinning and they're levitating, oh, it's not a demon. We can move on. And the problem is, a lot of times it is a demon. And we need to learn how to ekbalo drive them out, force them to leave us alone. That's a much better translation, by the way. Just force them to leave us alone. Forcefully make them leave. All right. So signs and symptoms of demonization. Um, Physical health problems. And here's the key to diagnosing this. Okay? And I want to be very clear. Are all physical health problems demons? No. Here's one of the keys, though. When there's no known cause, medically speaking, the doctors can't figure out why you're dealing with this. If you come into a health issue like that, it's like, mm, probably not physical. It's probably actually spiritual. And um, we've seen a lot of success in prayer ministry by using that uh, triage method. And Pablo Batari in his book, Free in Christ, I, I just like, I, I probably heard it from Harold Oberschlake originally, and uh, just, you know, then Holy Spirit, as you're dealing with certain people, you're like, mm, this don't feel right. This isn't physical. And you dig a little deeper. You're like, oh, when did this start? Oh, major trauma in your life. Oh, okay, this is demonic. It's not physical at all. And you deal with it and you help them and you pray through them. They're radically healed. It's awesome. Anyways, um, then I'm reading Paulo Batari's Free in Christ. And he's like, by the way, you know, and he basically says explicitly the same thing. So, uh, again, I shared some scriptural examples. I'm not going to go back through them of physical health issues that were demonic in nature. Uh, mental health issues. And uh, so this could be, of course, the more severe ones. And again, are all mental health issues demons? No. Are some mental health issues demons? Yes. Okay. Um, how, do, how can you tell? Well, if you go to the doctor and they say, oh, your physical brain is degenerating, and so, yeah, your brain affects how you think. And, oh, okay, you're, so you're thinking funny now. Could that just be a physical brain degeneration? Yes. Okay, so you change. We still pray. We just change to just heal them, Lord, instead of there's not a demon we need to get rid of, right? But can some forms be demonic? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so what could that look like, mental health issues? Depression, and I'm talking like, you know, pretty ongoing severe. Depression, anxiety, fearfulness. Um, suicidal thoughts, cutting in an interesting man of the gatherings cut and cutting is like this popular thing people do when they're depressed. 
Uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, potentially. Hearing voices, um, seeing demons, tormenting thoughts, excessive, obsessive, negative thoughts or temptations, uh, so on and so forth. All Those are all mental things. Obsession, as our Catholic brothers and sisters would say. Um, moving on to the next one, uh, I would say severe nightmares, night terrors, sleep paralysis. Severe issues in your sleep that are ongoing. And again, it's not just like I had a nightmare one time. It's ongoing. It's constant. You're afraid to go to sleep, so on and so forth. Uh, visitations by demons. Um, I'll also throw in ghosts, visitations, cryptids, UFO abductions, etc. in sleep, awake. Why am I saying all that? I'm just going to let you know that I've personally ministered to people who, for some reason, when they're children... Three different people I've ministered to when their children have a visitation from a weird creature or whatever, imaginary friend that's not human or whatever, and tries to establish a relationship, only it wasn't imaginary. They literally saw it, literally, so on and so forth. They have issues in their life, depression, want to kill themselves, all this stuff now in their adulthood. I'm like, let's just renounce that and pray through that thing. And had one person manifest when we did that, (laughs) renounced their relationship with their imaginary friend. Uh, got rid of that, and eventually the person's healed of de- depression. Okay, that's just one, and I mean severe depression they're on medication for, and they want to take their life and that kind of stuff. Completely healed of it in a moment, in a prayer session. And they go, I'm free of my depression. I go, uh, how do you know? It left. H- how do you know? If you had it for this many years and it was gone, you would know. I believe you. Okay, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come off my meds. I can't wait to get home. Talk to your doctor. Make sure you do it responsibly. But that, that one there, imaginary friends as a kid. Um, many stories, millions of stories of UFO encounter, uh, abduction encounters in the world, by the way. Oh, that's stupid. All oh, blah, blah, blah. Here's what's interesting. Some of these people who this happens multiple times to them, when they start renouncing them in the name of Jesus, they stop. Hmm... Hmm, that's interesting. So I throw all those in there. If you've ever had experiences like that, I know some of you who've never had an experience like that, you think that's crazy. If I were to ask a show of hands, how many of you have had an encounter with one of the above, demon, ghost, cryptid, creature, UFO, alien person, blah, 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 you would be surprised how many hands go up in the room. And I know that just from prayer sessions with people we've done in our church, our little old church in little old Brown County, Ohio. How prevalent are all these stories? And I want to say this to some people in the room tonight. You're not crazy. That's another thing. They, they manifest to you in bodily form, and it's a crazy experience. They speak to you. They do crazy things to you. Some people are physically, I've prayed with people in our church who were physically oppressed in their sleep like assaulted, physically assaulted and woke up and had bruises and scratches. Are you tracking with me? This isn't a, I'm, you know, that person's a little elevator doesn't go to the top floor. No, no. This is a lucid, coherent, fully normal person in our church that was attacked by a demon. Found out there was a sin issue. 
renounced, prayed through it, cleansed their home, stopped happening. Praise the Lord Jesus. Stuff's real. And prayer works. So, uh, moving on. So, I just want to say that you're not crazy. And uh, you should pray through it. You should renounce those experiences uh, and break any ties or any covenants made. A lot of times, uh, sometimes they'll proposition you with things or... I won't go too much into that, uh, but if you ever agreed with any of those propositions, you just there's still a connection there. Um, if you can get married to Jesus and become a Christian, get married to Jesus, you get a covenant with Jesus, that's awesome. You're going to heaven, praise the Lord. But if you haven't divorced the devil yet, <laughs> if you haven't broken the covenants that you made with him, that's why there's still access in your life. And you need to divorce the devil and renounce the covenants and tell them where to go. Which is not to hell. Away. Jesus gets to do that. Away from me. <laughs> that was a joke. Anyways, I prayed with a guy here again. That was what was going on. Had a lot of interactions with demonic beings. Was propositioned. There was a covenant made. And had a lot of issues. And that's how we prayed through that. Hey, you're married to Jesus now. It's awesome. But you're still having these issues because you haven't divorced the devil yet. So let's, let's pray through these covenants that were made and break those. And we had success when we did that. So um, next one, uh, fits of rage or cursing tantrums. And again, <laughs> how many of you have ever had a fit of rage or cursing tantrum? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We've got some honest teenagers in here. Praise the Lord Jesus. We all have, all right? Let's make them feel better. Okay. My point is it's not always demonic. No, that was just you. Okay. <laughs> um. When it's demonic, you often find they black out and they don't remember doing it. Dude, you went berserk. I did? What happened? What'd I do? Oh, mm-hmm. Cursing tantrum. I blacked out. I've had people, I was so mad I blacked out. Mm-hmm. Probably an issue there you should pray through. Um, fainting, losing consciousness. Um, I want to delineate this and explain it a little bit. I think the next category covers this too. Uh, manifesting, I'll, let me say this one first. Manifesting in the pre- presence of God. So if, if we're in worship, some people manifest just during worship. That's happened here before. Because um, worship is the presence of the Lord. Woo! And then they just, the demon can't take it. And man, let me just say it this way. You can have a demon, not you have a demon. And then you get in the presence of God, authoritative prayer, worship, impartation, whatever. And it manifests. And Man, if that ever happens to any of you, I just want you to know, we, there used to be a, much of a shame culture in the church if that would happen to someone. Like, oh, you got a demon shame on you, blah, 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 blah. You ever shame anyone for having cancer? You have cancer? Oh, what did you do? Oh, da, 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 da. You're a terrible human being. I guess I'll try to pray for you. Like, no, you don't do that. You don't do that. People with demons are victims. They very often, like most of us, went after a sin to try to get pleasure or comfort somehow, and they got an unwanted parasite. You ever go to the movies or school or a hotel and get bed bugs, and then you bring it home and now your home's infested? Lice? Ugh, parasites. Tapeworm. You got a tapeworm. You know, you're eating all this stuff, you know, your ill health. You got a tapeworm, man. It's living in you. Oh, my gosh. 
Do we shame people for that? No. Hey, just get to a doctor. Here's some medicine. Okay, kill that thing. Good. Expel it. Get it out. All right, good. You're good. That's how our church views demons. You got a spiritual parasite, and I know you didn't want it. I know you didn't want to end up this way, but praise the Lord Jesus. We got some medicine. His name's Jesus, and we can engage the Holy Spirit to get rid of it, and that's all we care about. And so if you ever manifest in public in our church, there is, I just want you to know it's a blessing because we're like, okay, now we know what the issue is, all right? And then when you're ministering to people, sometimes they manifest because scripture shows very clearly, especially if they have a stronger hold or it's a more major demon or whatever, they shriek and they like to try to cause a scene as they're coming out. They don't like coming out, so they're freaking out about it. Um, And that's embarrassing to the person, as you could probably imagine if it was you. You feel embarrassed about it. Well, I just want you to know we're very compassionate. And we want to help people like that, but we want to do it in a compassionate way. And, and that's why we do set up prayer sessions one-on-one. It's not because we're embarrassed about being in public. I'll cast out demons in public right now. It's, it's an awesome, hey, let's get them free right now. It's just usually very traumatic and embarrassing for the person. We had it happen one time here years ago and um, when it was over with, you know, and we didn't really know what we were doing. And, and we didn't get them free uh, in that moment. And the person was, was embarrassed and they were literally considering never coming back to church. <laughs> and man, I just went over and above to tell them, you better come back. We want you here. We're going to keep helping you. And we had two more prayer sessions with that person, and they got totally, totally free. Because they're a victim. Once you got something like that on you or in you or whatever... It's hard to get off or it's hard to get out or whatever. You, you often can't do it on your own. You need help. And you can go to a psych ward and they can give you all the drugs in the world, but it's not going to help that. And so we need to be compassionate in how we deal with people. And I just want you to know that's how we feel about it. So back to manifesting in the presence of God. <laughs> uh, fainting or just losing consciousness. Um, and I want to delineate it. There's a whole category of false gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'll just say it this way. Um, one person that I encountered one time, um, would fall out. Now we know when you pray, when you pray for people in the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God can overwhelm people to where they lose consciousness. Right. And what this guy had was very similar to that. It seemed like that. The only problem was, and the reason we were praying for him, he, was, he had severe depression and a whole lot of other issues. And this is why you triage. You ask a lot of questions. What's the difference? How can you know the difference? Well, he's got these issues in his life. That, that's, that doesn't necessarily tell us everything. But here's how severe this was. This guy no longer went to church. Why? He no longer prayed and he long, no longer read his Bible. Why? Anytime he tried to read his Bible, fell out. Anytime he tried to pray, fell out. Anytime he went to church and church started, he heard worship music, fell out. He'd be out the whole service. Anytime anybody would preach, fell out. And his family told me it's this severe. And I'm like, we can help him, bring him here. This is again in the younger days when I was super zealous and really didn't know what I was doing. And he was standing in the hallway out there, and we we're getting ready to pray for him. We were setting him up with a prayer session during church, so somebody's going to pray for him while we're doing a service. And church starts, service starts, and you know you hear the bass pumping through the walls, and he's standing in the hallway out here, and he goes, boom, and hits the floor. And his wife's like, "Told you." 
And what they were believing was, he's so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I just go, this is not the Holy Spirit. Well, how can you know? People fall out. People get slain in the Spirit. Um, God wants you to be a part of a church family. God wants you to hear his word. God wants you to pray. This guy can't pray. He can't read his Bible. can't go to church because he just literally will be unconscious all the time. And then when he wakes up, every single time when he wakes up, he's dazed and confused and he doesn't know what happened. That's not the Lord. And so again, we prayed with him and eventually uh, had some success there, which was awesome. Did not have success in that prayer session, but later on we did. <laughs> Anyways, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Anyways, <laughs> so I just want to delineate again, what's the fruit of the experience, especially with the false spiritual gifts? What's the fruit of that? Okay, the fruit of that was not good in his life. When people, we pray for people in impartation, they fall out in the Holy Spirit. Um, very often when they come back, they're like, it's just the best peace I've ever had in the world. Or I went somewhere and I had a vision and Jesus was there. And it's extremely edifying to their faith. And it doesn't happen every single time they hear worship or in church or hear sermon or read the Bible, right? Um, so you triage. What's the fruit of this? Because the... If the devil can't stop the spiritual gifts of God, he'll try to counterfeit them and he'll try to cause confusion and distraction to make the church throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so we have to be discerning. And that's what God gives us a spiritual gift called discerning of spirits. And we need to use it. And that's why we need it, because the devil is good at what he does. So this is these are some of the these are some of the symptoms or signs. Um as well as all the more extreme ones I didn't go through, cutting yourself and you're out of your mind and, you know, all that. You're levitating off the bed. <laughs> okay, all right, it's demonic, right? I didn't mention those because it's pretty obvious. I'm mentioning some of the less obvious. Now, does that mean if you have some of this stuff, you have a demon? Not necessarily. Like fainting, passing out. It could be high blood pressure. Like, I don't know. You have to do, do some digging, do some homework and ask a lot of questions. When did it start? And go from there. So, and then the last thing I want to mention in this, uh, how do people get demonized? And I share this to help you stay out of it (laughs) or stay away from it to protect you. But also when you're helping people, you know what to pray through. And as you're talking to people, you know what to warn them about. And as you're talking to people, you go, oh, you have these issues probably because you were involved in this. And I can pray for you or my pastor can pray for you, right? So um, I'm going to say there's several ways. I'll say there's two main ways that I see a lot that I would think the number one way that you get a demon in your life where there's like a literal demonic presence is you've engaged willingly at some point in some type of occult activity. Occult is a generic word that just means supernatural. That's not Christian. So think anything supernatural, not Christian, spiritual, but not Christian. That's occult activity. Okay. And you will be engaging with demonic forces if you engage in anything like that. And I don't care what label they put on it, right? The people doing it are deceived, right? So the New Agers are like, it's all positive, right? The occult people that are like literal occult, we're sacrificing goats to Satan and doing seances and getting demons to do stuff for us. Some people are into that for, you know, gothic people, you know, uh, 
not all gothic people. I'm just saying, you know, there's people that like to, to dress black and paint their eyes black and it looks all demonic and weird. There's people that actually like the show, The Addams Family, right? Probably going to be more the type of people that are gravitated to this, right? If you're going to dabble in divination. Then there's just ugh, people like, oh, that's weird. That's kind of gross. I just have a spirit guide. It's super positive, And I do yoga and I do transcendental meditation and send my spirit places. And I try to help people. It's Wiccan. It's white witchcraft. It's good. Here's the deal. The devil's smart. Different lures for different fish. He just wants to get us all tangled up in this stuff. Uh, if you're just living in sin, he has power over you. Um, and you're apart from God and you go to hell. Um, but if you don't know Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but man, if you dabble in divination and he, you invite him in, oh, now he's really gets to control you. And so he does want people involved in false religions and divination and occult activity. So the occult, witchcraft, Satan worship, new age, mystical, spiritual practice, Freemasonry, don't have time to explain it, but it is demonic. Um, They do rituals and they curse themselves. Some of the rituals they do are explicit satanic rituals. They say, so mote it be. Do you know who else ends their prayers that way? The occult. Okay. All right. I think we're tracking. They use the Bible though, and they try to make it look good. So if you or anyone you know has ever been in Freemasonry, you not only need to get out, you need to pray through it uh, and renounce it. Email me and I can help you do that if that's you or or if you want to talk more about it or have questions about it. I don't have time to go into all of it. Um, And then I'll just say, and there's a lot of false religions or Christian cults like that. Uh, uh, This is my a la carte. Tarot cards, palm readings, psychic readings, mediums consulting the dead, crystals, horoscopes, praying to the universe, transcendental meditation, mind control, astral projection, Ouija board, the Illuminati, other cults like that, uh, uh, sororities and fraternities that engage in rituals and practices. Those are demonic. That's demonic. You need to pray through that stuff. You need to break it and renounce the fact that you participated in it. You just need to do that. Um, yeah, so that's a smorgasbord of occultism. If you've, uh, did I say Ouija boards? Yeah, that one's a big one. It's a game. Try it out. It is literal witchcraft. Let's hear from the spirit world. Like that's what it is. I've heard stories, credible stories from firsthand sources of people who were possessed and I mean possessed, possessed, demon in them from one encounter with a Ouija board. Don't mess with it, man. You are engaging demons and uh, they will take full advantage. And if you've ever played with one, there's no shame, but you need to pray through it. You need to renounce it. You need to pray through it. Okay. Again, if you don't know how to do that, email us. We can help you with that. Um. Otherwise, the other main way people end up demonized is what I would say emotional wounds uh, where there's unforgiveness because of some type of trauma or abuse in their life. Okay? So classic example, sexually abused when you're young um, does a whole lot of horrific things to you, to a person. Um, and especially when that wound goes unhealed, there's unforgiveness or hatred there. It just makes space for the devil in a, in a large way. Um, unforgiveness just by itself for any sort of betrayal or wrong thing someone's done to you. If you let that go and you just, just let that fester, um, can really give you over to, to make place for the devil in your life. Um, curses 
from others or witchcraft done against a person. If you're not protected, if you're not a, a devout Christian, that can do some stuff to you. Um, sexual immorality, pornography, all the way up through doing things with people. Um, this is sad, but it's true. Parental or authority figure assigning spirits or dedicating you to Satan or spirits giving you over. Guys, witchcraft and occultism is so prevalent. You would, you, some of you are like, what? People don't do that. There's someone in our church that that has happened to. And they got demons in their life until there's at least two. Yes. And they got, they had demons in their life in a significant way until uh, they eventually got saved. And then, and then we prayed with them and the demon problem was not gone when they got saved and we prayed deliverance prayer through them and they were fully set free. Praise the Lord Jesus. That's a really sad one. Um, satanic ritual abuse is what that would be called. Um, and then uh, I mentioned this earlier, making deals with the devil, proposition, you agree to it, so on and so forth. Um, and it's important to mention deals with the devil. I do want to say this. And, and I'll, I'll quote the, our Catholic brethren on this. Even if someone's fully possessed man of the Gadarenes, the soul maintains its liberty. That's important. The devil doesn't own you even if he's possessing you. That's important. That's important. You know, if I own a car, it's my car. But if you borrow it or steal it, you're, you're possessing it and you're controlling it. And even people who are fully possessed, it's important to know the soul maintains its liberty. What does that mean? At any time, if they will call upon the name of Jesus and seek help, they can get totally saved and totally free. And the devil will get people to make contracts with them. And some of the stuff you hear about in Hollywood, it's real. That really happens. And the devil's powerful, and he can make stuff happen for those people. But this life is over in a blink, and then you go to hell. So you don't want to do that, right? But listen, here's the trick. If people have done that, they think the moment they've done that, I'm going to hell. The devil's like, I own you. You're mine. You can never get out. And that's actually a lie. If you would repent and turn to Jesus Christ, he can set you fully free, and he can protect you from their... uh, it's like when you do that, or if you're in the occult too and you try to get out, it's like being in the mafia and trying to get out. They want to kill you. They want to they mess with you. They will threaten that. But if you know Jesus, Jesus will protect you. And I say that to some of you, if you're struggling with this, if we ever show this online, I want to say this to people who maybe you've dabbled in the occult or you're fully in the occult and you want out. Call on the name of Jesus Get connected with our church or another ministry that can help you, that knows deliverance ministry, can help you pray through these things. Jesus will not only forgive, he will forgive you. He will forgive you if you turn to him. He will save you and he will protect you. And that's the love of God. That is the grace of God. And I want to I say that to those who might be struggling or just wanting out. Yeah, the devil doesn't own you, even if he's possessing you. You can call in the name of Jesus. There's always hope. There's always hope in the name of Jesus. So how do we help people with these issues, especially the more severe ones? The more severe it is, you're probably not going to be able to pray through that yourself. Because <laughs> when you go to pray through it, <clears throat> there's probably going to be a manifestation that stops you from being able to pray through it. Um, I've 
quick example. I've sent people some prayer guides sometimes. I'm like, hey, oh, you got these issues. It might be this. All right, hey, pray through this. And by the way, pray through it on your own. If you have trouble praying through it, let me know. Email me, and then we'll get together, and I'll, I'll help you. And that's happened a few times where, uh, for example, one quick example, a guy said he went to pray through some stuff. Um, it was actually connected to Freemasonry, and he was, he was in it, in it, and he was getting out. And I said, pray through this guide, and he did. He said, when I started praying through it, I started feeling like I was going to pass out, and I couldn't breathe. And I said, okay, just stop. Uh, I'll pray prayer of blessing and protection until we're able to pray through this, and then I'll pray with you. And so then I pray with him, and he's got fully free and got healed of some stuff too, which is really awesome. But yeah, so we need to get him to Jesus. We are the body of Christ on the earth. The church is the hospital for the sick. We need churches that are equipped and trained in deliverance ministry. The disciples were driving out demons. Then they came to one they couldn't drive out. It's a, it's a process of training. It's a process of growth. It's a process of learning, right? I told a few stories tonight. In the beginning, our first year or so, I was like, let's do this. I had the Holy Spirit just gave me this great boldness and confidence. And I got way in over my head and... Funny story, maybe I'll tell another time. I called my mentor, Harold Oversling. I'm like, oh, we got some issues over here. And it was, it was multiple issues. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's, I was like, can you sit in with me on some sessions? He's like, absolutely. And he did. It was awesome. And I learned a lot. And, uh, and so, but we just kept going and kept growing. And, and why couldn't I drive it out? We prayed and they just rolled around and yelled and screamed and uh, cursed me the whole time. Like, why, why, why is that? Why isn't it coming out? Why isn't this working? Let's grow. Let's figure this out. I want to grow in my faith, right? And now uh, we're at the place where we're able to help a lot of people, and it's just really awesome. And so if you are struggling or you know someone who is, our church is equipped for this. Praise the Lord Jesus. There are other churches raising up in the country that are being equipped. Uh, Locally, all I know of so far that I would trust sending you to is us uh, or Open Heaven Ministries. Um, Open Heaven is awesome. They're our mentors. They're the ones who trained us and equipped us for this. So... Um, they're phenomenal, especially when, if you want to get more training, uh, check Open Heaven Ministries out, Harold Oberschlake, Google that, um, and they help people as well. And so, uh, again, if you know people that are, even the Mantha gatherings in the psych ward, if you're pretty sure it's demonic, man, let us know. If, they, if they're willing to pursue freedom, and that, that is key, by the way, if they don't want freedom, there's, there's not much we can do for them. Um, which brings me to my last point. I just love that Jesus, the story where he goes to the man of the Gadarenes, he crossed the Sea of Galilee. There was a horrific storm, by the way, trying to stop him from getting there because this guy has 6,000 demons in him, right? Jesus gets over there. The man runs up. The man wants freedom. <laughs> the man is like, hope, finally. And the man runs and falls on his knees. That wasn't the demons. But the demons cried out, what do you want with us? Oh, crap, we're in this guy, and he's running to Jesus. We're about to get dealt with. They're freaking out. Are you going to send us to this? Just send us into the pigs, please. They're begging Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Our king of kings and lord of lords, legion of demons are begging him to be merciful. He sends him out, totally heals this guy. Do you know what happens next in the story? He gets back in the boat. They go back to where they came from, which means what? He crossed the entire sea, went through a horrific storm where they almost died for one man that was severely demonically possessed. 
because that's the grace of God for that man. And I'm telling you, if you know people like that, we want to help them. We want our church, me, I want to run to them. Show me where they are. Man, invite them to church. We will talk to them. We will try to help them in any way we can. But maybe they're not able to come to church. Maybe they're cooped up in their house ashamed and, and freaking out at the torment they're going through. Let us know about it. Let them know about us so that we can try to help them and get them help in Jesus' name. And the last thing I want to say that's connected to that, it's truly the spirit of God that drives the demon out. Now that's validating when you're a believer and you stand in your authority and demons leave because you said so. That's validating. Wow, the Holy Spirit really does live inside of me. But it is not you. It is the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus that makes the demons leave. And that's important. Last thing I want to say on this. Some people know they have a demon. They know they have issues. And they know it's demonic. And they come to us for help. But the truth is they just want their problem gone, but they don't want Jesus. And that's a heartbreaking situation. Because we can't help you. In fact, we won't help you. Because Jesus is not only the one who sets you free, Jesus is the one who keeps you free. And Jesus said, if you cast a demon out of someone, it goes through arid places looking for somewhere to rest, and it doesn't find it, and it gets seven others like itself or more evil, and it comes back to the house it was in, the person, and goes back in that house. They, oh, it's all clean and swept in order. It goes back in, and the condition of the person is worse at the end than it was at the beginning. If you just want us to fix a problem, we can make it leave. Now, for today, you'll feel some relief. But if you don't want Jesus in your life, you'll go home, and you're on your own. And they know you're on your own. And they hate what just happened. So they will attack you. And you need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus. You don't need us. You don't need a Christian doctor that you call on every week. You, know? you need Jesus. And sometimes people need help, even if they have Jesus, <laughs> need some help from some brothers in Christ to get free. But man, if you want to stay free and truly walk in freedom and walk in power and authority and help other people, you need Jesus in your life. It's all about Jesus. He's the one who sets us free. He equips and empowers us to help set captives free, and he's the one who keeps us free. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you for this teaching tonight. We thank you for that you set captives free and you send us to do the same. And I thank you that you were not intimidated by even the most demon-possessed. In fact, you went there at a state of compassion, not in a state of fear. Like, I'm gonna, I slept through a storm <laughs> on my way to help you, and... Uh, just came to set you free. And when you set that man free, he said, let me follow you. And you said, no, go home to your friends and family and tell them how much God has done for you. You didn't demand anymore. You didn't place a greater demand on a man who had been through so much. You just said, go home to people you haven't seen in a very long time and enjoy your life and tell them how much God has done for you. Wow, you're so good, Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would enable us and empower us and equip us as a church family to be able to help people like that, to help people that are cowered up in their house or in a hospital, freaking out, tormented, because 
they're being afflicted and oppressed and, and perhaps even possessed, and they're, they're terrified of it. They're ter- terrified. They're tormented, and they want out. And, and Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give them hope um, and that they would run to you and that you would cause them to cross paths with either a church like ours or open heaven or a ministry like that that can help set them free. I ask for that in the mighty name of Jesus because we want to see captives set free. And I thank you that we can help uh, the worst of the worst, but we can also help normal everyday people, normal everyday Christians who are being oppressed by the devil. And I thank you that prayer works. And I pray that you would just get our confidence up about this. And I pray every believer in our church would just be able to stand firm and and know who they are in Christ and be able to uh, go toe-to-toe with the devil and, and tell him where to go and see success. And uh, I just thank you so much for that, Lord. And I thank you for how you're growing our church in this. We love you, Lord. We praise you that you are victorious King of kings and Lord of lords. And you've given us power and authority to trample on snakes and scorpion and overcome all the power of the enemy and that nothing will harm us as we're doing so we're protected and i thank you for protection tonight over these people and i just pray an extra measure of peace over these people uh that they wouldn't go home and worry or fear about these things but they would just rest and be like wow isn't god so awesome he's so powerful praise the lord and uh we love you lord in jesus name amen